Footprints presents The Incredibles, a series where you meet ordinary but incredible individuals. I said that it's okay for them to quit. But for me, I would rather die in my endeavors than give up. 70-year-old Shi Guangying from northwest China's Shanxi province has been working on the front lines of the battle against desertification in his hometown for about four decades. The sprawling forest he has built on the edges of one of the major deserts in China has been dubbed as a Green Great Wall, shielding local villages, towns and farmland from the shifting desert. The villagers don't just trust me. Through their trust in me, they trust the servants of the China Post and our party, because I am a CPC member. This is 58-year-old Tang Zhenya, a postman from eastern China's Jiangsu province, who launched and maintained a mail service for fishermen living scattered on a vast lake. In this special edition of Footprints, we will tell the stories of Shi Guangying and Tang Zhenya, two model members of the Communist Party of China who have devoted their lives to serving the people in their respective fields. Stay tuned. Every day, Shi Guangying, a villager in Dinbing County, northwest China's Shanxi province, goes to the woods near his home to check the conditions of the shrubs and trees he has planted in the former sandy areas. For him, these green plants are invaluable treasures on which he toiled for so long and sacrificed so much before harvesting the gains and delight. His face is deep tanned and engraved with wrinkles, a testament of decades of tough tree planting work to fight desertification. Hello. <laughs> I'm getting old. I'm a man born to lead a tough life. The tree grows and man ages. This is the law of nature. Shi Guangyin's light-heartedness and deep inner peace follow a long battle against all the odds in his life, and his epic endeavors to contain the encroaching footsteps of the desert. Born in 1952, he had an early taste of the toughness and even death that living near a desert could bring. When he was a child, he had to move nine times with his parents, as they had to avoid the devastating sandstorms that frequently hit their homes. One sandstorm blew him about 20 kilometers away while he was on his way to herd goats. He was luckier than his childhood friend, who lost his life. My father found me three days after the sandstorm. But my playmate, surnamed Zhao, who was five years old, disappeared in a natural disaster. Shi Guangyin's hometown, Dingbian County, is located on the southern edges of the Mao Wusu Desert, one of China's major deserts. The desert stretches more than 42,000 square kilometers across the border areas of Shanxi province, Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region, and Ningxiahui Autonomous Region. 
Its name comes from Mongolian, meaning bad water, and rightly so, as the desert contains vast stretches of wasteland and saline alkaline water. The life and death struggles on the edges of the desert in his childhood planted a seed in Shi Guangyin's heart. He wanted to stop the advancing desertification. Generations of people living in my hometown have suffered from the desert. Our future generations must never go through similar suffering. In 1984, when Shi Guangying was 32 years old, the Chinese government rolled out policies to encourage individuals to sign contracts with the government to combat desertification. Under the policies, individuals could lease wasteland, including barren hills and sandy slopes, for long-term use, and the government promised them that they could own the trees they planted on the wasteland. Back then, Shi Guangying was in his prime. He took the lead to become China's first contractor, planting trees in the barren desert to curb sandstorms. He quit his job as head of a local government-run farm, which brought him 48 yuan a month in wages, handsome earnings in comparison with the local living standards of the 1980s. His decision at the time was shocking to his family and friends, but he was bent on his new endeavors. My fellow villagers said I was crazy and silly. I admitted that to some extent I was, but what I really wanted to do was to plant trees and fight desertification. We villagers would all have a good life if we contained desertification. By quitting my job in the farm, I could devote all my time and energy to my tree planting endeavors. He signed a contract with the local government for desertification control of more than 200 hectares of wasteland. For his tree planting project on the sandy wastes, he needed an investment of at least 130,000 yuan, a colossal amount, unimaginable for people living in rural China at the time. Shi Guangying sold almost all of his properties. A mule and eighty-four sheep to raise money, despite opposition from his wife. I only got about thirty thousand yuan through the sale of all my cattle. To fill the shortfall of the investment, I persuaded seven of my fellow villagers to join me. They also sold their cattle to raise money for our project. Together with bank loans, Shi Guangyin and his seven partners finally raised enough money for their adventures in the risky anti-desertification cause. They bought tens of thousands of willow tree saplings and planted them in the barren land they rented from the government. Four in five of the saplings they planted survived and grew well. Encouraged by this initial success, Shi Guangyin advanced deeper into the desert. He rented another plot of the wasteland and tried to plant trees on it. But the natural conditions of the area, called Langwu Sha, literally meaning sands of the wolf den, were daunting. In spring, strong sandstorms hit frequently. In the summer, temperatures in the area can rise to 60 degrees Celsius, while in winter they dive to minus 40 degrees. 
Needless to say, planting trees there was no easy task. We braved extreme hardships in a tree planting season for about 40 days in spring. Our faces got burned by the scorching sun, our facial skin blistered and even peeled off. What's worse, 90% of the saplings they planted in the area were swallowed up by wind erosion and sandstorms just one or two years later. Shi Guangyin and his partners made another attempt to plant trees on the same wasteland the next spring. But again, they failed. The failure proved to be unbearable for many of his partners. They considered giving up, but he remained as determined as ever. I told those who wanted to give up that I would use each and every means I could think of to see through my tree planting project. I said that it's okay for them to quit. But for me, I would rather die in my endeavors than give up. Shi Guangying realized that he was being foolhardy, embarking on the task armed with only enthusiasm. The following year, he made several trips to consult forestry experts in other cities. Experts told me to plant both trees and shrubs. They said I had to first take measures to prevent the windward slopes of the sand dunes from moving. Then I could plant coniferous trees on the leeward slopes of the sandy areas. Armed with this new knowledge, Shi Guangying changed his tactics of tree planting in the Langwosha wasteland. As a result, more than 80% of his trees survived the harsh environment in the spring of 1988. In later years, he built on this hard-won success step by step. By 1997, Shi Guangying had built a forest as large as 40 square kilometers in the Maosu Desert, the forest was estimated to worth at least 30 million yuan. One year later, his forest was designated by the local government as an ecological project, meaning no trees in it were allowed to cut down for economic gains. But to maintain the forest, he had to continuously make new investments, incurring bank loans amounting to millions of yuan. We have planted trees in the desert year after year. You know, tree planting in the desert is not a one-off job. We have to redo it repeatedly and make meticulous efforts to care and maintain the trees. He compares his forest to a green bank from which he cannot make money directly. We couldn't cut down the trees for profit. The national and local forestry authorities noticed my difficulties. So they arranged for banks to lend 10 million yuan to me. He raised the pigs, cows and sheep to fund his afforestation project. At one time, his farm was bringing in millions of yuan a year. Within a decade, he had repaid the 10 million yuan bank loans. Shi Guangying treats the forest he built as his child, developing an affinity with it. Even if I was allowed to cut down the trees for profit, 
I would not do it. I have feelings for the trees. When I tend to the small saplings, it's like tending to my little babies. When I see them, it's like seeing my own children because I have devoted my toil and sweat, as well as heart and soul, to them. Now, with his afforestation project well on track, Shi Guangying is teaching his grandson Shi Jianyang to continue his footsteps. Shi Jianyang learned forestry at college in Xi'an, the provincial capital of Shanxi, and graduated in 2020. He chose to return to his hometown. Many of my classmates wanted to stay in Xi'an when we graduated. When I consulted my grandpa about my career choices, he said he respected any choice I would make. But it's his wish that I could join him. After a brief period of soul searching, the grandson chose to return to Dingbian County and joined his grandfather's course of afforestation. The grandson is now gaining practical experience of fighting desertification from Shi Guangying. And he is building on the legacies of the grandfather, the oasis in the Maowusu Desert, formed after decades of hard efforts. At one location of the forest, moss has appeared at the foot of the trees and shrubs, a sign of an improvement in the soil. Up to now, Shi Guangying's forest covers 133 square kilometers. His project has not only improved the local ecological system, but has also helped improve the living standards of local residents. The forest he planted has formed a barrier, a green great wall, as locals have nicknamed it, to fend off the devastating and erosive effects of the massive Maowusu Desert. As a result, the local farmland has been well preserved, and local villagers can lead a stable and prosperous farming life. Yang Shuhua is one of the many local villagers who have benefited from the afforestation project. In 1984, my family could only afford to eat corn and barley. There were few fresh vegetables. We were just able to feed ourselves. Now the living standards of my family have significantly improved. We earn money by farming, such as planting vegetables, potatoes, and corn. We also keep poultry and cattle, so we can earn more money by selling our surplus farm products. Moreover, Shi Guangying has set up a variety of agricultural farms, such as cattle farms, animal feed factories, tree sapling breeding farms, and vegetable farms. More than 1,000 local families have been working for or have invested in these firms, making a decent living thanks to Shi Guangying's pioneering efforts in the fight against desertification. According to local government figures, currently Dingbian County's 340,000 residents enjoy a per capita GDP of 15,000 U.S. dollars, much higher than the national average. Under the influence of Shi Guangying, tens of thousands of local residents have joined his cause of battling desertification. At least 66.7 square kilometers of trees were planted each year in Dingbian County over the past five years, according to the county government.
Currently, more than 30% of the land in Dimpian has been covered with forests. The rate is again much higher than the national average, which is just above 24%. From a historical perspective, Dimpian County has made great achievements in afforestation. In the 1950s, only 0.5% of the county's land was covered with forests. Satellite remote sensing imagery has identified the changes to the county's vegetation coverage. The uninviting yellow color of sand has been gradually replaced with delightful green plants. The achievement was only made possible thanks to the efforts of Shi Guangying and tens of thousands of other local residents who have poured their efforts into the long and hard battle against desertification. Now 70 years old, Shi Guangying is still working on the front lines of afforestation and helping his fellow villagers improve their lives. He says, being a member of the Communist Party of China impels him to always work hard and work for the public good. If you are a member of the Communist Party of China, you must serve the people with all your heart and soul. As life is short, you must leave something to society and future generations. For me, I have gone through hardships and poverty and overcome them with sweat and toil. My life is worthwhile. Shi Guangyin joined the Communist Party of China at the age of 21 in 1973. In June 2021, for his contribution in fighting desertification, he was awarded the July 1st Medal, the highest honor in the Communist Party of China. Now let's take a short break. When we come back, we will head to eastern China's Jiangsu province to see how one postman has been serving the local fishermen living on a vast lake. Stay tuned. Every morning, Tang Zhengya, a sturdy man carrying a green shoulder bag, rides a motorbike to deliver mail to residents living on land in Lao Zhishan town, Jiangsu province. After returning to his post office to have lunch, he embarks on a very different mail journey in the afternoon, rowing a boat across a vast lake to take mail to people living on lakeside or on shoals in the Hongzi Lake, which is about 2,000 square kilometers in size. On average, he delivers 10 items of mail to the people living in the lake area. Although there aren't many items to deliver, the road is tortuous and tedious. The round trip can sometimes take up to five hours. But Tan has faithfully kept this mail service routine going for more than two decades. As the only postman for Lao Zhishan town, he has to serve the 18,000 local residents there, half of whom are fishermen living scattered in the Hongzi Lake. Without Tan, the local residents could not have enjoyed a stable and reliable mail service. 
Before Tang Zhenya enrolled as a postman in 1999, there was no mail service for the fishermen. They could only get their post and packages when friends or relatives visited them. Once he became a postman for the area, Tan tried to change the situation by establishing a mail service for the fishermen. At the time, I thought that I should do this. You know, I come from a fishing family background. Why shouldn't I have a go? Before Tan became the postman in Laozishan, 11 postmen quit the job one after another, complaining about the hard work and low wages. Challenges lay ahead of Tan. Each day, he had to first finish the mail deliveries on land. Only then would he have the time to explore how to accomplish his self-imposed mission to launch a new mail service. First, he had to get a boat and make a detailed map of the fishermen's houses. At the very beginning, I tried to borrow a boat from the fishermen, but in vain. The boats are a necessity for the fishermen. At the time, my monthly wage was just about 100 yuan. Later, I managed to raise some 1,000 yuan from various sources. With the money, I asked a man to make a small wooden boat for me. With the boat? Tan began to explore the marine routes to deliver mail to people living in 11 fishing villages in the Hongzhe Lake. Although his employer, the China Post Group, soon assigned a motorboat for him, he still has to use his small wooden boat in many shallow areas of the lake. Sometimes he even has to wade in the lake and push his boat along. This process has its dangers. One day in August 2005, Tan was trying to deliver a university admission letter to the house of Tan Qing in the village of Hongming. At one o'clock in the afternoon, he encountered a sudden storm when he was in the middle of the lake. At the time, I could only see as far as 50 meters. I didn't know my exact location on the lake. It was also difficult for me to send emergency distress signals. I was frightened. Though frightened, Tan had to keep calm and cool-headed. In the emergency, he used a bucket to scoop out the water in his wooden boat. Then he tried his best to paddle the boat forward. After more than three hours of struggle, he succeeded in getting out of the danger zone and approached his destination, the house of Tang Qing. I was too exhausted to paddle my boat for the last several meters. I shouted, Tang Qing, Tang Qing, to ask for help. What was in my mind was that I had to deliver the admission letter to her. Tang Qing was the young student whom the university admission letter was destined for. When she heard Tang's shouting, she asked her family to help the weather-battered postman reach dry land. Tang handed her the letter, which was a happy and celebratory moment for her and her family, just as other Chinese families who received university admission letters. 
Tan says he has witnessed many such moments of happiness when he served the people with his unfailing and reliable mail service. On March 16, 2015, Tan received a letter with a vague address on it. The recipient was called Wu Bing, as the address information only stated Lao Zhishan. Tang had to pinpoint where Wu Bing lived exactly. He searched for more than a month before he finally delivered it to him. Wu Bing recalls that in order to deliver the letter to him, Tang visited several villages and consulted almost 100 people in the town, trying to locate where he was. One of my fellow soldiers wrote to me 20 years after we parted company. The recipient address was marked only as Lao Zhishan Town, but I had moved out of the town 20 years ago. The letter reached the hands of Tang Zhenya. Tang had tried many ways to find out my whereabouts before finally delivering the letter to me through one of my relatives. Tang says, as a postman, it's his duty to deliver each and every item of mail to the recipient. If you work really hard, you will find the recipient. Over the years, I have gathered a detailed list of the address information of residents in Lao Zhishan town and am constantly updating it. Over the past two decades, Tan has safely delivered more than one million items of mail to residents in the Lao Zhishan town without any mistakes. What's more, he has tried to help the local fishermen improve their living standards. Through his constant contact with the fishermen, he has learned that they led a hard life. In recent years, many of the fishermen have tried to transform their lives by setting up aquatic farms on the Hongzhi Lake, but they lacked the necessary knowledge. Wang Yangui is one of the fishermen who tried and failed in the very beginning. I was the first person in my village to keep a hairy crab farm, which was as large as 1.3 hectares. I hoped to make a profit of 30,000 yuan in the first year. Instead of making a profit, I made a loss of 30,000 yuan. I was frustrated. Every time Tang goes to deliver the mail to the fishermen, he chats with them and learns about their troubles and needs. When he learned of Wang Yangui's dilemma, Tan Zhenya promised him to read up about hairy crab farming in books and magazines when he got back to his post office. Tang kept his promise and soon passed on the knowledge he had freshly acquired to Wang when he came to deliver mail to Wang's village again. The density of the hairy crabs in the farm was too high. Many of them died or couldn't grow bigger as a result. I learned such knowledge from professional books and passed it on to Mr. Wang. I told him to keep the number of hairy crabs within 15,000 for every 15 hectares of aquatic farm. After taking Tan's advice, Wang made a good profit out of his hairy crab farm in the second year. To better help the fishermen, Tan established a library on board an anchored fishing boat in the Hongzhe Lake. 
There are more than 3,000 books and magazines in the library about aquatic farming and other practical knowledge. For his superb mail service and his efforts to help them, Tan has earned the trust of the local residents, who affectionately call him the swan on the lake, meaning he is a fantastic and reliable messenger. The villagers don't just trust me. Through their trust in me, they trust the service of the China Post and our party, because I am a CPC member. Tan Zhengya joined the Communist Party of China in 2006. In 2019, he was awarded the title of the National Ethical Role Model by the central authorities for his outstanding mail service and his altruistic efforts to help others. With that, we conclude this special edition of Footprints. Thanks for listening. I'm Man Ling. If you are interested in hearing more about the lives of ordinary people in China, follow us on Apple Podcasts. Just key in footprints, and you can find more stories anytime, anywhere. We will see you next time. Bye for now.